Okay, what's up guys? Good evening everybody. Good to see you guys. Um, do you remember? Are you sure? Yeah, you're right. You're right. My bad. It must have been on. All right, we're good. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, hey, so do you remember when you were like a little kid and you get like this brand new toy for your... Some of you guys are little kids. So Maybe. Do you remember last week you get this brand new toy and then you invite your friend over to hang out and then they want to play with your new toy and they're just like a toy hog and it's kind of annoying. So back when I was younger, uh, actually I think the first time I went to this place called Legoland, you guys heard of it? out this was in the year 2000 like five man this is old called lego star wars so i played the og lego star wars me and my brother would play we'd be like all crammed together on my dad's laptop pressing the buttons playing at the same time and when lego star wars 2 came out uh i got the new game and my friends brock and chris some of my best friends wanted to come over and play lego star wars 2 at my house and so they came over and they got on the computer and they never let me play the game with them. They were, yeah, messed up, right? Maybe you felt dissed by a friend before. Maybe you have dissed a friend. Maybe you and your friend liked the same girl or you like the same guy and you get into an argument over that. Or maybe uh, your dog is your best friend and then like your dog chose somebody else over you and it hurts. I know every time Tempe chooses Brianna over me, it hurts my feelings because I love Tempe. I want my dog Tempe. I want to be like her favorite person, but it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes in friendships, we have conflicts. We're going to talk about conflicts more next week, but really this week we're talking more about how do we build meaningful friendships because we all want real friends, but how do we know what a real friend is? How do we be one and how do we make sure that we have those? We have a good example in the Bible of what real friendship looks like through two friends named Jonathan and David. So that is what we are looking at today. We're going to tell the story starting out here of the time that Jonathan and David met. So I want you to tell your neighbor real quick how you met your BFF. Tell them that story, how you met your BFF. Turn, go. Tell them. Okay, does anybody have like a funny story of how they met their best friend? Like actually funny, for real. Okay, that's not funny. Anybody have a funny story of how they met their best friend? Yes, Okay, what's the funny story? Hey, hold on, we're gonna hear the funny story really quick. What is it? Just let her tell the story. I saw her like outside and I asked her if she wanted to be friends, but then she was like second guessing it for herself. But then she's like, uh, yeah. And then, so like, Okay. Right here. How'd you meet your best friend? I was forced to meet her. You were forced to meet her. Okay. Was it like a sibling or was it? No? And it don't made you make a friend. All right, one more, Camila. Right here, but we were actually like over 
Yeah. All right, cool. I met my best friend in English class in college, and uh, I asked her after class if she wanted to hang out. She said no, but it's okay because a few years later we got married. So that's my best friend. Brianna. Um, Brianna's in here right now. Sadly. Sadly. She is not going to make it. She's in El Centro tonight. But we're going to look at the story of how David and Jonathan, BFFs, met each other. So the backstory, you guys know the story like David and Goliath. The Israelites were at war with these people called the Philistines. And there's this big battle going on. This giant Goliath goes out and he's taunting everybody. And David, a teenager, just like you guys, was the only one brave enough to stand up to Goliath. So he puts the rock in his little slingshot. He hits Goliath. He walks over to Goliath. This is the part of the story they don't always tell you guys. But if you guys like gory stuff, this is what happened. He goes over to Goliath, picks up his giant sword, and what does he do? Puts off his head. Bam. Plop. Head goes bye-bye. And then, after that, he picks up the head with like the, the gross, drippy stuff coming down. You know, the spinal cord flapping around. He picks up his gross head. Hey, Halloween was yesterday. I mean, I don't know. If you went as David and Goliath, you could be David and hold a head. That's pretty scary, right? So he, can't, he has this, like, gross-looking head, and he goes to King Saul to show the king, like, yeah, I killed Goliath. And as he's there, that's when he meets his best friend, Jonathan. Because Jonathan is King Saul's Son. So we pick up that story here in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. This is what it says. After David finished talking with Saul, so he just met Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There is an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. So this is when they met each other. And then after this, Saul kept David by his side because David was now like this superstar warrior. David was going viral. David was trending. Everybody liked David because he was the warrior who won the battle for them. And so Saul kept David by his side. David spent a lot of time in the king's palace. And also Saul had some issues. One of those issues being a demon would come and mess with Saul's mind. And David would play the harp for him and that would make the demon go away. Kind of a crazy story. That's kind of a side note. But basically David was around the king's palace all the time. And David was also a renowned warrior. And so he was hanging out with Jonathan all the time because he was always over at Jonathan's house all the time. He was basically that friend that maybe your parents are that friend. You know, they always just help themselves to the refrigerator. They're always over at your house. You guys have a friend like that? Yeah. You have a friend like that? Exactly. You live at your friend's house for a week straight. I remember in college, my friend Noah moved out. And then basically he just still lived with us. I don't know what happened there, but it's basically that friend that just won't leave. So I don't know. Where am I? First Samuel 19. So here's what happened though. They started since David was trending. Saul got jealous because they were saying stuff like David. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Being like David is cooler than Saul. So David started to get more popular than Saul. And Saul started to get jealous. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 19. Literally one chapter later, one chapter later, this is what it says. Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to do what? Assassinate. Kill David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. So basically, Donovan 
told David, my dad's going to kill you. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me, and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. So David was going to get killed by Saul. So his best bud, Jonathan, says, I'm going to be a spy for you. I'm going to try to help you. And then later, we see what happens as Jonathan is trying to help David by telling his dad, like, Dad, you got to chill out, okay? Do you guys ever tell your parents to chill out a little bit? Maybe, maybe sometimes it's disrespectful. I don't know. But in this case, Jonathan was right for telling his dad to chill out because he was trying to kill his best friend. So, I mean, have you ever had, you know that one friend that your parents really don't like? Yes. That was David to Saul. But Saul didn't have a good reason to not like him. Maybe your parents have a good reason. I don't know. But basically, this is what happens afterwards. Jonathan's like, I'm going to help you out. So Jonathan tries to convince his dad to not kill David. This is what he says to his dad. As long as it, sorry, my bad. This is what Saul says to him. And then I'm going to show you guys what Jonathan says to Saul. As long as that son of Jesse is alive, that's David. His dad's name was Jesse. You'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. This is Saul talking. Then the next verse, this is what Jonathan says back to him. But why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan. Somebody better call CPS, right? Like this, this, this is pretty bad. He hurled his, that's child protective services. You guys know what that means. He hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Like if he didn't get it before, when he said, I want to kill David. Now he really understands that he really wants to kill David. Here's the point that applies to you guys. You can look at this old story and think, what does this have to do with me? Like nobody's throwing spears at me. Psych. What if I actually brought out a spear right now? That's a great way to get fired, right? So here's the deal. Here's the principle that we can apply for this. Real friends value people more than popularity. Jonathan had the opportunity to be king because his dad was the king. And Saul says to Jonathan, David is popular. And if we don't kill David, you won't become the king. You won't be popular. You won't be on the throne. But Jonathan loved David more than he loved the throne. Because Saul cared about nothing but the throne. Saul had like power hungry issues. Saul is very insecure. And insecure people can really want to be in control over everything and everybody else. But Jonathan wasn't like that. Jonathan loved David more than he loved the possibility of him being king someday. So he stood up for David instead of joining Saul. Are your friends your friends because of who they are? Like, do you love people for who they are? Jonathan had nothing to gain from David. If anything, he had something to lose as a result of being friends with David. He lost the throne. David became the next king. But he loved David. Stop talking, guys. Stop. He loved David. And in the same way, do people love you for you, not just because of what you might give them? Like, do people love you? Are people your friends because of you? Or are they only your friends because you do something that makes them happy? Like, if there's a social pressure for you to do something that maybe you feel like you shouldn't do, and then you do that thing and that makes you friends with other people, they don't love you for you. They love you because you just 
doing whatever they say you should do. So do your friends love you for being you? And do you love others for being themselves? Do you value people more than popularity? Jonathan did. And he's a good example of that. So Jonathan is going to help David out. So let's see what he did. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 20 through 22, he tells David a little bit of a secret code that they get going on here. He says to David, I will come out and shoot three arrows to the side of the stone pile. This is out in the field. Imagine there's a field and a pile of stones somewhere out there in the field. And I'll shoot as though I was shooting at a target. Then I'll send a boy to bring the arrows back. If you hear me tell him they're on this side. Then you will know, as surely as the Lord lives, that all is well and there is no trouble. But I tell him, go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you. Then it will mean that you must leave immediately, for the Lord is sending you away. Do you guys have like a secret code with any of your siblings or friends? Nobody? Brianna and her little sister, they stayed in the same room growing up. And so they had their own little like language or like tap, tap code. It wasn't like Morse code, but they had their own little language. Here, Jonathan and David have their own little secret code. Here's the secret. He says, if I say this, if I say the arrows are on the side. Hold on, I'm actually having a hard time to see this. Here we go. Oh, wow, that's way better. If I say the arrows are on the side, then you know you're fine. Saul's not going to kill you. But if I say the arrows are still ahead of you, then that means that you're kind of in trouble and you need to run away. And so what happens is he, thank you, Roman. He uh, does that. He tells this boy, moving on, in 1 Samuel, I'm lost, you guys. What happened? Everybody say, what happened? What happened? I'm just lost. I don't know. Where did I go? Here's the point. We're just going to skip to the point. Strong friendships offer real help. Strong friendships offer real help. A good friend isn't somebody who just is like, hey, like, I hope you're okay. I'm, I hope you're going to be okay. Jonathan actually helped David. He went to his dad, literally took one for the team by getting a spear thrown at him. And then he went and helped David, giving a secret code to let him know to escape. So Jonathan really put himself out there to actually help David. He didn't just say he cared about David, but he actually put actions to it. Good friends won't just hope that you're okay. They'll make sure that you're okay. Do you guys check up on your friends? Like, really? Good. Do you help them? Like, if your friends are sick, do you ask them how they're doing? Do you pray for your friends and their families even if they don't ask you to? That's being a good friend. So me and Brianna, we have friends who check up on us regularly and we check up on them. And we were there for them when my friend, his name is Josh, he got cancer. And out of, he was only, you know, maybe 24 years old. And so we were there for them during that. And they were there for us when we were working on our degrees and when we had family members pass away and all the busyness of life. We were checking up on each other. Real friends offer real help. And so Jonathan is a real friend and he helps David escape. And then they say goodbye in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 41. David came out from where he'd been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. Strong friendships display genuine 
feelings. Now, this doesn't mean that every time you see your friend, you see your BFF, they go like cry and hug each other like it's the last time you ever see each other. That's not what it means. I mean, if you want to do that, great. But the point is strong friendships really display genuine feelings. Do your friends know that you really care about them? Do your friends know that you're thankful for being in their life? I heard about somebody recently that they passed away because they killed themselves from suicide. And there was like 2,000 people that showed up to their funeral. This is a person who felt alone. And they felt like they didn't matter to anybody. But clearly if 2,000 people show up to your funeral, you matter to somebody. Your friends might not know that they matter to you. Because maybe you haven't told them. Maybe you haven't displayed those genuine feelings of just saying, hey, thank you for being my friend. You're an amazing friend. So I have this friend, Noah, that I told you guys about last week that when I was a senior in high school, God answered my prayer to give me a friend to bring me closer to him, an accountability partner too. And Noah got married two days ago. I was in Las Vegas two days ago for his wedding. And during that, yeah, let's give it up for Noah. Yeah, there you go. And during that time... We're talking about all these memories and, and all this stuff, all, this, all these fun memories. And it's really time for me to just say, man, I'm so thankful that you were in my life as we're celebrating this day together, this big day in his life. Do your friends know that you are thankful for them, that you love them? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm thankful for you. All right. If you didn't know it, now you know it. Somebody told you. Now. I want to give you guys three quick action steps of how you can apply this, okay? Here's number one. From the story of David and Jonathan, you need to choose what type of friend you want to be. Choose what type of friend you want to be. You guys ever heard that phrase, opposites attract? That's true in some senses, like maybe some personality senses, people can balance each other out. But it's not true in some other ways. Generally, if you're a bad friend, you will not attract good friends. If you do not invest in having meaningful relationships with others, people will not make that investment in you. You have to choose what kind of friend you will be to others. So choose to be a good friend. The next thing is offer real help beyond words. Just like Jonathan helped David beyond just words. Hey, my dad's trying to kill you. Uh, Peace out. Jonathan actually helped David. Jonathan tried to convince his dad not to kill David. Jonathan dodged a spear. Jonathan went and warned David with a secret code. Jonathan really tried to help David. And with your friends, you guys can actually help them. And you're wondering, well, I don't know if my friends need help. You guys, we all know that we're not always honest with our friends. And you know that because you're not. Because maybe you don't want to admit that you're having a hard time. Maybe you don't want to admit that you're struggling. I I understand that. But we need to be able to have open, honest conversations for us to do this thing called life together because we're made to do it together. So you could just simply ask your friend, how can I pray for you? And maybe the first time you ask them that, they're going to be like, you pray? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. So that might be a good way to tell them. I don't know if you haven't told them yet. But the first time they might be weirded out or they might not. They might be like, oh, I'm so thankful you asked me. But if they know that you really care about them and you're praying for them. 
they're going to be open to telling you what's going on in their life. And maybe if you say, how can I pray for you? And they might say, well, on Fridays, my parents work late. And so I'm like really lonely at my house, just like waiting for my parents to come home. You can answer that prayer request by saying, come over to my house. You never know what your friends need. And so offer real help beyond words. The last thing you can do is pray for meaningful relationships. Prayer doesn't just affect what's around you. Prayer affects what is within you. And as you pray, God, give me meaningful friendships, meaningful relationships that are going to be honoring to you and people who love me for me. As you pray that, God isn't just going to bless that externally by giving you those people, but God's going to turn you more into a meaningful friend. And as you're praying to have meaningful friends and God is turning you into a meaningful friend, because you're becoming a meaningful friend, you attract meaningful friends because God changes your heart. The last thing tonight, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you say, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian, I have given my life to him. Your friends who do not know Jesus are looking at you to see if Jesus is real or not. They're looking at you. You are the evidence of Christ. And it's based on how you love others. In John 13, verse 34 through 35, Jesus says, See, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How you love others proves whether or not you are a follower of Jesus. And the call to love others, by the way, it's not just our friends, it's our enemies too. But the call to love others is to love them like Jesus loved us. How did Jesus love us? Jesus loved us while we are his enemies. While we sinned and like we, we disobeyed God and we fell from him, God still looked down on you with love. And he went to the cross for you to pay the punishment for your sin. And he died and he was buried and he rose from the grave, defeating the sin and death that you deserved and that I deserved. And if you put your faith in him and you give your life to Jesus, you can have eternal life. And that broken friendship with God can be restored. But that's if you put your faith in him. It's a free gift that God offers you. And for those of you guys that haven't done that, talk about that in your small group and say, maybe I'm not sure if I've accepted that free gift of eternal life and really given my life to Jesus, put my faith in him. But for those of you guys that have, prove that you are disciples of Jesus by being a real friend to somebody else, investing in people, praying for them, choose what type of friend you want to be, offer real help beyond words and have meaningful friendships. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us an example of what friendship looks like. And in a world as a middle school and high schooler where friendships can be up and down and there's drama and there's gossiping and there's all this disunity, Lord. We just pray that you would help us to be wise, to make wise choices with our friends, to be a light in our friend group for Jesus, to point them to him by the way that we love others. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Here's the deal, y'all.